Good morning. Good morning to everyone in the building. Good morning to all the guys joining us online as well. It's great to be back. And it's great to see everyone after missing the, the last couple of Sundays. We've been, as Aaron said, we've been in South Africa catching up and worshipping with friends and experiencing God's goodness to us through his church. Uh, I suppose just being reminded again that we're all one body with one God and one Father, regardless of geography. Um, so many memories and so many experiences, but one highlight I'll briefly mention was playing a round of golf with a great group of guys. Uh, to be honest, I was a bit, I was a bit nervous. Uh, I've not played golf since, since the boys were born, and I knew these guys were big into their golf. And it felt to me a bit like a, a rite of passage to go and play with these guys. Um, I've also been carrying a shoulder injury for a few months, and I didn't know if it would hold out. However, like the old pro that I am, I made sure I got my excuses in early. I mean, that's golf 101, isn't it? Get your excuses in early. But the day, the day went well. Um, I managed a couple of pars. Come on, the pars. I managed a couple of pars, I had some great conversations, and the shoulder held up to the strain. So I didn't have time to practice though. So I just had to stand on the tee and hope that muscle memory would somehow take over. And usually it did, but thankfully on the first tee it did, but sometimes it didn't, and I had to just kind of scramble my way up the fairway. I didn't have the old swing to fall back on. But I did start remembering things as I went round. But it got me thinking. You knew there was a point to this, eh? It got me thinking. Muscle memory only works if the muscle has been well used. Repetitive, consistent, disciplined use over time. So how many situations in life do I turn up to unprepared? Hoping that they'll work out or scared that they won't and fumbling and stumbling in the dark, if only I had a lamp to light my feet. If only I had muscle memory in my spirit and in my mind and in my heart to face every situation knowing that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But I can't bring to mind God's word if I don't know God's word in my life. But anyway, it's great to be back. It's great to be back. But as I settle into work and when I switch on the news, it's like I've never been away because uncertainty and fear are the only constants that I'm hearing. Uh, finances are tight. Food is more expensive. Fuel costs are rising. Mortgages are going up. War is still going on in Europe. Government is in perpetual turmoil. There's ongoing strain on our health services and many people that I know are struggling to get the treatments that they need since the pandemic. The only stability that I can report is that I left the country for 12 days and I came back and was still with the same chancellor. <laughs> Progress, eh? Celebrate the small victories. <laughs> so I have a question this morning. Actually, I've had a, I've had a question for a few weeks now. How do I move forward in a world full of fear? How do I carry on in a world full of fear? Better yet, how do I carry on 
when I'm full of fear. See, I don't get preacher's immunity. These things affect me. I live right in the middle of these circumstances, and I'm trying to raise my family, and I'm trying to run my business. And even when my heart feels paralyzed, and my stomach's in knots, and my mind is test-driving every negative outcome, I'm in the fire, same as everybody else. And like the song we just sang, you need to remember there's another in the fire with us also. So if I'm going to walk by faith and not fear, I'm going to need to walk on something more consistent than shifting sand. I'm going to need to walk on a word, a word from God for my life, for my family, something that's faithful and true, something to hold on to even if everything else slips away. But I can't walk on God's word if I'm not found in God's word. Yeah? We're all on a journey, but know this, our destination is set in Jesus. Know this, our destination is set in Jesus. Over the next 20 minutes, I'm going to preach this message, and it's the one I've been preaching to myself, but I'm going to invite you to come along with me because I believe there's freedom on the other side. So let's go for a walk. Who's in? Yeah, we're all in. <laughs> That's good news. That's good news. I have a question. Uh, actually, no. I have a, a frustration. How can fear and faith coexist in me? How can these two things coexist inside me? I know the scripture from 2 Timothy 1, 7. I'm sure we've all had it quoted either at us or by us. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. So why the conflict? And yet, if I let it, my mind can track down virtually any possibility to become fearful about and lock onto it. And it can take a grip. And it can stop me in my tracks. And it can make me doubt. But, and this is point number one, if you're taking notes, point number one, this is point number one. But, we walk by faith. We walk by faith. Fear can be contagious. I've been in conversations recently where I felt like I was coming down with it too. But can I let you into a secret? I've always thought that faith and fear were, were opposites. That implies that they're of equal but opposite strength. But I now believe that that can't be true. I just don't believe that that's now true. You see, fear, fear builds on changing circumstances. It's variable. Faith is based on an unchanging word. It's consistent. Fear is what we see with our eyes. Faith is what we carry in our hearts. Fear comes by hearing the daily news. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Fear stops us in our tracks. Faith moves us forward from desert to destiny. Faith wins, guys. Faith wins. Okay? Faith wins. And faith is contagious too. Hang out around faith. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see, Hebrews 11. Faith is 
confidence. Did you catch that? Faith is confidence. I can't do it this morning. We don't have time. But read the history of God's people in Hebrews 11. Hang out with faith. And look at how each verse begins. By faith, by faith, by faith. Each verse, by faith. Each mighty thing that happened, by faith. Each breakthrough, by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Correct. To Corinthians. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10. So, to walk by faith, we are called out on a word from God. I do have time to draw out one example from Hebrews 11. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. All he had was God's word, his promise, his call. And that was where he placed his faith, his confidence in what he hoped for, and his assurance in what he did not see. See, we can pick up the story of Abram in, in God's call in Genesis 12. I'll just read a, a bit from Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will also curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Abram stepped out. He stepped out. He walked on a word from God, and he trusted, and he walked by faith. Notice God did not say, go to the land I have shown you. He said, go to the land I will show you. But that was enough for Abram. A word from God was enough to give him the confidence to step out. Abram did not have a map. What he had was really a compass, a promise a word from God to walk out on. And he walked in faith. I spoke last year about realizing, having this realization that when scripture talks about God's word being a lamp to your feet, a lamp is something small and handheld, usually only able to light the next few steps. It's not a floodlight showing you the whole path. And that's the way it's meant to be. We step out, when we step out in faith, we have to lean on God and trust Him every step of the way. If we saw the whole picture, we might not even be, take the first step, that's the first thing. But also, we wouldn't be leaning on God the whole way. We'd miss out on that closeness with our Father. And I was reminded of this truth again, listening to a friend who was speaking about something similar earlier this week. Now, Okay, here's a thought. Here's a thought. God exists outside of space and time. Only God then has the perspective to see the end from the beginning. Only God has that perspective. Only God sees the whole picture. And we can lean on Him. We can trust the next steps that He has for us. We can trust Him. 
Now, sometimes a word for, for that day is enough. Sometimes a word for that season is what we trust in when circumstances say otherwise. Jill's favorite scripture, and I don't think I'm breaking any confidences here, is Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper, not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Notice it says, for I know, not I have told you the plans. I know the plans. God knows the plans, not I've told you all the plans. We don't always get to know all the details, but we do get to trust in him. He plans to prosper you. That's without doubt. He plans to give you hope. He will not harm you. He plans to give you a future. There is a future, no matter how bleak it might appear. It's in God. It's in God. So we walk by faith. That's point number one. Treat yourself. Treat yourself this week. Read Hebrews 11. Follow the heroes of faith. Seek God's word over your life, over your situation, and settle it. Just settle it. Trust them. Once you read it, once you hear it, once you receive it, trust him. Settle it. And then point number two, give thanks. Give thanks. Now, we give thanks in the middle of the journey. I don't know where each of us are in our own walks through life with God in the circumstances we're in, but faith gives thanks in the middle of the story. So read also Psalm 118 this week. Seriously, read Psalm 118. If you don't listen to another thing I say, tempting, I know, read Psalm 118. Have you got it? Which Psalm? That's the Psalm. Read Psalm 118. If you remember nothing else from this morning, read Psalm. Brilliant. I shared a little bit from this Psalm on Facebook earlier this week. The Psalmist has been in a difficult spot, but the Psalm starts with this brilliant line, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Forever. His love endures forever. And it includes the line, verse 23, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Correct. In the middle of extreme difficulty, the psalmist wrote these words. Now, this is not some trite, uh, learning to dance in the rain, making lemonade sort of positivity type thing. Joe's looking at me, where are you going, man? <laughs> it's not that. Read the psalm. <clears throat> this is raw, honest, living faith. Read it. Read it. But the lesson is simple, though, and it's transforming. In the middle, stop. Just stop. Stop. And look up to where your help comes from and give thanks. And celebrate. Praise. In the middle. I'm in the middle. I guess most of us are in the middle. Give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks. God is so kind this is incredible, that as a reminder, he placed Psalm 118 right in the exact middle of the Bible, right in the middle of the story. How good is that? So please remember, point number two, even in the middle of the journey, when we have not arrived yet, stop 
give thanks, rejoice in the middle, praise, praise, praise. We're transformed in his presence. And God inhabits the praises of his people. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So, catch this. Thanksgiving and praise change our focus to God. Changing our focus shifts our perspective. A new perspective transforms our vision. Renewed vision gives us clarity and direction. We're not lost. We're not lost. We move from desert to destiny. Okay, guys, we quote for you here. The writer Anne Voskamp once said, perspective can always adopt gratitude. And gratitude is what always parents joy. Perspective, gratitude, gratitude, joy. In the middle of the story, in the middle of the, the, the troubles, joy found, found in our father. Joy. So quickly now, write this down. Point number three. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Now, we're familiar, I'm sure, with the line from Hebrews 12. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. But I love the way it's rendered in the, in the Passion Version. If you read it in the Passion Version, I'm just going to read it just now. We look away from the natural realm and focus our attention and expectation onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. Oh, I could do another 20 minutes on that verse alone. It's okay, I'm not going to. But don't worry, don't worry. I love this. I absolutely love this. We look away from the natural realm, all the things that are consuming us, all the problems, all the things that are on our mind, all our worries, all our anxieties, all our fears, all our doubts. We look away from the natural realm and we focus our attention onto Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the answer to every question, regardless of the situation. In so many situations, we long for God to speak to us. But what if he already has? What if he already has? When will I learn to hear, believe, and obey? When? Can I tell you, can I tell you a story about God's kindness? I think we've got time. Who wants to hear a story about God's kindness? Wow. Okay. God speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us all through his word. I think we can all agree on that. But the way he grabs our attention and directs us can be deeply personal. Um, I know of a man, he's a friend of a friend, um, who was pleading with God for a financial breakthrough. It got right down to the wire. But then over the next few days, this is brilliant, God sent him a series of cars to drive in front of him with registration plates carrying the initials of Bible references that would speak into his situation. Now, eventually the penny dropped, literally, and he moved forward into abundance on the words in these scriptures. This was his word to walk on through that season, and he walked out of that season on God's word. Highly personal, just for him, God is that kind. Now, I've been thinking a lot about provision recently too uh, and asking for a word 
to walk on. And last week, um, I when I woke up, I had, a, I had a strong sense that God had answered. And I looked at the clock, and it said 6.13. Now, in the past, this has happened to me, and maybe it's happened to some of you guys too. Um, when I was younger, I woke up several nights in a row at 3.16. So I know that for me, a time reference usually is John's gospel. That's where I have to turn. So this was a nudge to turn to John 6.13. So I did. John 6.13 says this. Now remember, I'm looking for provision. I'm starting to get a bit concerned about things, like many people when I'm thinking about provision. John 6.13 says this. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. Amazing, eh? The feeding of the 5,000. Not just provision, but excess, abundance, bread. Now, this spoke to my immediate concern, but here's the thing. Jesus said in Matthew 4, referencing Deuteronomy, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Live on the word, walk on the word. And then he said in John 6.35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So again, we put our faith in Jesus. We fix our eyes on him. The word become flesh, our soul sufficiency. So I'm not going to close with a prayer today, but rather I want to read Paul's words from Ephesians 1, almost as if it was a prayer over us. The message paraphrase puts it like this. I ask God, the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally, your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from the dead and set him on a throne deep in heaven in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments. No name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all. He has the final word on everything. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything with his presence. Did you catch it? Did you catch it? The church is not peripheral to the world. The world, the things that are happening, the circumstances are peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts by which he fills everything. Everything is filled, we are filled with his presence. Jesus is Lord over all including our current circumstances. Commit your day, commit your way to him. Be encouraged, be at peace, be blessed. Walk on a word, fix your eyes on Jesus. The, word is, the world is peripheral. Remember, all scripture is God-breathed. It has life. So imagine a God-breathed future. Seek God's word over your life and settle it. Choose faith over fear. Choose gratitude over grumbling. Choose destiny over desert. 
In life, there's no such thing as standing still. We're either taking ground or circumstances are overtaking us. So how do I carry on in a world full of fear? I walk on a word. We walk by faith. We give thanks in the middle. We fix our eyes on Jesus. Desert to destiny. Jesus is our destination. The living word and the final word overall and in our lives. The final word today. Jesus says this in Luke 11. God will bless all who listen to the word of God and carefully obey everything they hear. Walk on the word. Walk in faith. God bless you. And thanks for listening.